a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Lovely to see you all with us on this bright sunny day. Uh, We purposely left the picture of the cross up on the wall because what I wanted to try and do today is to try and link into what Graham brought to the church last week. So if you weren't here last week, you know that Graham brought a fairly traditional Easter message, I guess, about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I want to link into some of the benefits of the cross or what happened on that day. It's foundational truth, I guess, and many of us in the room will have heard it before. But it's come to me alive and afresh again. And I know about you, but sometimes in life you get a revelation of something that's happened and you think, I knew it in my head, but it's never been in my heart before. And I just had this revelation of what I want to speak to you this morning about, that it's never been in that sort of depth in my life before. And I hope it comes across in the way that I deliver it this morning. And I pray the Holy Spirit will inhabit the words that I use. So, number one, please, guys. What I want to speak today about, it is for freedom, the remarkable grace of a wonderful saviour. That's what I want to try and get across, and that's what God's been showing me again and again in my life, basically. Okay, I want to take the reading, basically, this morning, one of the readings this morning, from Luke 4, verse 17 to 22. And it's all about this morning, it's about setting the captives free. And as we remember the story, Jesus is reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in the synagogue, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And it goes on in verse 21 to say, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what do we need freedom for, I wonder? What can hold us captive? And I think one of the big things, really, I wanted to suit would be this one here. Legalism. Legalism is seeking to achieve forgiveness from God and acceptance by God through obedience to God. And I don't know about you, um, if ever you try that, basically, you're going to find yourself under law and not under the grace And in case you're wondering, breaking free from legalism doesn't mean you stop reading your Bible, praying or sharing your faith. Your confidence must always be in your gospel and not in your own performance or the works of your hands. If you're trying to please God or earn his acceptance or grace, then you've probably started to live under the rule of legalism. Legalism can be like a prison warder, ensuring we cannot get out and take up our rightful position before God. I wonder if you could turn to Romans 3, verse 9 to 23 for me. Romans 3, 9 to 23. If ever you had a chance, have had a chance to read through Romans, the remarkable grace page after page of what God's doing in our lives. In this passage, Paul, by the inspiration of God, lays out the scene of a courtroom in which a trial is taking place. So I wonder if this morning, if you can imagine, this is the dock here in front of me, and man, 
And just for the sake of anybody that ever wants to listen to this on tape, I'm putting on a black coat. Not because it's cold in here, but because this is the filthy rags that once we had on us. And I've also got an umbrella here, not because it's raining in here, but because in this particular situation, man, mankind is being judged, seated here in the court. The umbrella is a representation of sin above him. And God created us in his image, we know that. And he loves us with an undying love. And he wants everybody to come to a knowledge and salvation in, his, in, in their lives. But he can't see through this umbrella of sin. He can't see it. You know he loves us, even though. And so this is the situation. This is where mankind finds themselves in the dock, under judgment. So what's God's plan for us? Matthew 9 verse 36 says of people sitting in the dock here, the people that haven't got a relationship with God, that they are like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. I don't know if you've ever seen a flock of sheep without a shepherd in the field and how they all go off their different ways and that's why sheepdogs and these people on these four by fours now have to go and round them up. If you imagine where those sheep get to, some of them end up on your dinner table. Not good. Paul has argued the guilt of every man and woman, whether Jew or Gentile, as they are seen in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. All the elements of a court trial are present, and in verse 9, we find the charge. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin, as it is written. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify... This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's the situation of mankind here in the dock. We are all under sin, both Jew and Gentile, everyone. To say we are all under sin includes all that goes with it. Sin is like an octopus with tentacles, guilt, condemnation. All comes as part of sin. Then in verse 10 to 18, we see the indictments against man. He is a totally depraved person. Our character is hopeless. None are righteous, not even one. Our speech is corrupt. Our conduct, our conduct ungodly. Sure, there are different degrees to our depravity, but we're all guilty of sin. In this letter to the believers in Rome, Paul has masterfully demonstrated 
that there is not one single person who could stand before God as righteous and holy. After bringing these indictments against man, verse 19 indicates man's defence. Every mouth may be silenced. Think about the day of judgment for a moment. There is coming a day when all mankind will stand before God alone. Many think that they can argue their case before the Lord or will put God on trial for what he did or allowed to happen in their lives. And for those, I would agree with a statement that I found somewhere that says that a fool, sorry, that a lawyer who would represent himself before the Lord has a fool for a client. You see that when we stand before the Lord, the evidence will be so overwhelmingly obvious to us that every mouth will be silenced. There is no defence against God because we have no defence. Verse 19 also gives the verdict against every man, including us, in that the whole world is held accountable before God. Why will every mouth be silenced? Because we are all guilty. But God knew all along. He had a fantastic escape plan to offer his people. Jesus' death and resurrection. And I want to look at that now, and I want to look at the fantastic things that God has provided for us now, and I want to look at justification and sanctification. And please don't be put off for those two words. I'm going to come and hopefully explain them a little bit more in a second. We cannot understand the act of justification apart from these facts about man's sin and guilt before God. Because we are guilty, sentence has been passed upon us. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.28 tells us. However, in justification, God who sits on the throne as judge in this trial, legally declares that we are not guilty. In fact, he declares us to be righteous. Zechariah 3, verse 1 to 6, illustrates this with Joshua. And it says here, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right-hand side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebukes you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. So we find ourselves now. Jesus has done the work. The filthy cloak, the filthy cloak goes... The umbrella goes and we find ourselves with a robe of righteousness. Now I know this does not look like a robe of righteousness. This is actually my dressing gown. And it's a bit more like Joseph's multicoloured dream coat, is it not? But for the sake of the argument, let us think this is a robe of righteousness. Do I look pretty good in this? Actually, quite it's mixing. Keep your attention off looking at your Bible for a minute anyway. When you put your faith in Jesus, God the judge hands down the verdict that you are righteous. He transfers the perfect, sinless record of Jesus to you. This is amazing grace at its most amazing. In the moments you first believed, your past sin did not cease to exist. You hadn't done any good work that could somehow make up for your disobedience. Yet God completely and totally forgave you. He not only wiped the record of your sin away, he credited the righteousness of his son to you. Now, I don't know if you want to think about that for a second, but when I start to read words like that, if I hear words like that, actually, 
it brings a soberness back into my spirit again because what we're talking about here are life-changing words that God's put in his, in his Bible. Oh, just unbelievable what God's done for us. In an instant, in a twinkling of an eye. It's a bit like, I don't know if you've ever been down, I went down, we're on holiday once, I went down a gold mine in Wales and you all put these miners' helmets on and you go down to the very depths of the mine and then the, gu- the, the, the guide says to you, right, everybody turn off your, li- your helmets on your lights and you all turn them off and it's absolutely pitch black and absolutely you can't hear anything. And then he says, right, guys, all switch them on. It's just like that second, in a twinkling of an eye, in a darkened room, in a darkened mine, suddenly God has deposited his righteousness upon us. We don't deserve it. We never deserved it. Whatever we would have done, our legalism wouldn't have taken us there, but it's out of his grace and mercy. So to conclude the trial, the charges have been laid against us. We are sinners and we deserve death. We are given the chance to defend ourselves, but there is nothing to say. We are guilty. Satan grows excited knowing that we are guilty. But before the judge passes sentence, an advocate or someone who intercedes on our behalf comes forward and tells the judge that he has enough righteousness to take care of your crime. This is what Jesus has done for you. There is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1. So let's look at justification. Justification is being declared righteous. Sanctification is being made righteous, being conformed to the image of Christ. One is straight away. It's like being you know, in Star Trek when they beam me up Scotty and suddenly you, you arrive in their transporter room. It's immediate. On the first second in our lives when we say, Jesus, come into my life, immediately God deposits his righteousness into our life. It's immediate, on the spots, not dependent on what we've done, not dependent on the fact we're wearing a dirty clothes. It's done immediately. Sanctification is an ongoing work. Justification is now our position before God. Nothing that we've earned, it's what God's merited upon our lives. Sanctification is our practice before God. You don't practice justification, it happens once for all upon conversion. Justification is immediate and complete upon conversion. You can and never will be more justified than you are the first moment you trust in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ. Sanctification is a process you will be more sanctified as you continue in your grace-motivated obedience. So justification is the finished work and sanctification is an ongoing example. So what about sanctification then? So it's a bit like the potter in the clay. It's a bit like somehow when we become Christians, not only do we become immediately sanctified and all the righteousness of God is deposited upon our lives, which is amazing in itself, And God just doesn't stop there. He doesn't just leave us in that position. He says, now, I've given you that, but actually I want you to become more like me. So ongoing, what is it? It's like a block of stone that we want to take a fantastic sculpture from. And little by little through our Christian lives, God is chipping away, taking off the rough edges, making us more like him, being transformed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. So the power of the gospel doesn't end when we're justified. When God declares a sinner righteous he immediately begins the process of making that sinner more like his son. Through the work of his spirit, through the power of word and fellowship with other believers, God peels away our desires for sin, renews our minds and changes our lives. 
This is the ongoing work of sanctification. It is a process of becoming more like Christ. It begins the instant you are converted, and it will not end until you meet Jesus face to face. Sanctification is about our own choices and behaviours. It involves work. Empowered by God's Spirit, we fight sin. We study scripture and we pray, even when we don't feel like it. We flee temptation. We press on running hard in pursuit of holiness. And as we become more and more sanctified, the power of the gospel conforms us more and more closely with ever-increasing clarity to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember in closing, you cannot be condemned and justified at the same time. It is impossible. If the judge declares you are not guilty... There is no condemnation. And the promise plainly declares that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has spoken. Your total acceptance in Christ is beyond doubt. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians 5 verse 1. The remarkable grace of a wonderful saviour. I wonder if the bands could come back up. So I just wonder if we can just spend some time, um, maybe if Graham and the guys can just play in the background for us. I just want to bring some things that that God's laid on my heart today. But I just also want to give you time and for the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to us this morning regarding what I've brought. It's a short message. I appreciate that. Hopefully filled with provocative things about the gospel and filled with things that will bring release to the prisoners because we know that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free and so I just want the Holy Spirit just to minister to those in the congregation this morning I want you to think about legalism in your lives and maybe you're trying to please God by your own actions a bit like Graham spoke about some weeks ago now about plate spinning you've got to get to the prayer meeting you've got to read your Bible You've got to get to your life group. You've got to do all these things are very honourable and we'd encourage you to do them all. But by doing all those things, we'll take you not one step closer to God. He's come here this morning to set prisoners free. And he's come here this morning to give you a revelation of what he's done in your lives as well, I believe. That justification, that wonderful impartation of his most amazing grace, the minute that you believed have you forgotten that have you been a Christian for years and forgotten the power and the majesty of God in your lives has it grown a bit stale maybe and as I've started to think about those words and prepared over the last few weeks it's come again to me with a freshness and a vitality of the gospel again and it's made my spirit start to really stir again I'm thinking yeah I knew it got in my head but it's never been in my heart before I want it to permeate into my heart Lord this morning I want to remember what you've done for me. The position I stand in before Christ this morning is a position of power and authority. The Spirit of God is upon me to preach good news, to preach 
freedom for the captives this morning. I wonder if that, do you feel that this morning? Is that your position before Christ? A position of authority? Or do you feel held down and crushed by the enemy? God's here this morning to bring release to the captives. And maybe you say, well, I understand a little bit about justification, John, but this sanctification thing, this ongoing thing, it's so difficult. Yes, it is difficult. And we know that God loves us so much that he wants to chip off those rough edges. And sometimes it's really painful to go through those. And maybe you're really hurt and you're thinking, God, I can't take any more of this chipping away. It's so painful to go through. And I don't see the way out. God's here this morning to put an arm around you as well, I believe. God's here to restore hope. Graham brought that word this morning about restoring hope. God's here to restore hope. And some of this is like a prison cell, isn't it? And the, the, the gates are firmly locked in front of us. And all, all of a sudden, the warder, Lord Jesus, comes along with a bunch of keys and opens the gates. And you suddenly see, oh, I've been in this prison so long, it seems very comfortable to stay in here now. But that's not what God wants for us today. That's not God's best for anybody here today. As God opens the door for us, then the prisoners are free to leave. To run like a, a horse let out of a stable that runs into the field for the first time to eat the grass, whose legs are kicking up in the air. He wants us to run with abandonment before him this morning, not bowed down and held captive any longer. So I want to pray for people here this morning who feel they're held captive in any area of your life, whether it's legalism, or whether you've just got into something in your life which is holding you back. And I've got some specific words this morning for, for people here. And you might think, well, actually, I don't particularly want to come up the front and get prayed for. I'll deal with that in myself, or I'll go into my life group leader. That's absolutely fine. But I just want to name these things, because once we name them before God, then they're out in the open, and, and then God will start to help you deal with them. There's someone here, I believe, this morning that's held captive to substance abuse. I'd love to be able to pray for you this morning. I don't understand much about it, but I know a mighty God that can set you free from that. There's somebody here this morning that's got an eating disorder. Again, God can set you free from that. There's somebody here this morning as well who are held in the bondages of pornography one of the tentacles of sin one of those tentacles we mentioned earlier just wraps around you and you think well I've done my best to break out of it in the natural no 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 this morning it's God that's going to break in and set you free from that so I just wonder can we stand and I just want the Holy Spirit to come amongst us this morning and I want him to bring conviction I want him to bring freedom here a sense of restoration of hope this morning for those that have not known hope for some time. And we're just going to sing through that song that we sang earlier that Graham taught us that's so full of the fantastic scriptures about grace. And as we sing it, Holy Spirit, would you minister that to us this morning? Those words that we put up on the screen, would you just allow them to permeate our souls? And then we're going to sing this through and then I'm just going to ask if there's anybody who wants prayer this morning. 
Ray, I want you to come up here, please, if you could, in a second. Ray, I think you've got a prophecy for the church this morning. And you might think, well, I don't know what you're saying here, John, but you haven't got it in your heart at the moment. But as you come and stand up here in in a minute, Ray, God's going to give you a prophecy for this church, which is important for us to hear. So let's just sing this through. Let's look at these words. Let's take them into our spirits. Earlier on in the meeting, the Lord just pressed on my heart just to speak out a word, and I, and I didn't do that. Um, and I, I believe it's right for me to do that right, right now. Um, and the word was really basically, the Lord was saying, just come. Come. Come, says the Lord. Come. And over and over again, he would speak and say, come. Come under my, my wings. Come and find shelter. Come. Come, says the Lord. Come under my feathers and know that you are protected. Come, says the Lord. Come. Come, says the Lord. Come. For I am gentle and I am strong. Do not fear, says the Lord. For I am with you. Come, says the Lord. Come under my wings and know that I am your fortress. Know that I am your God. Come, says the Lord. Come. Come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Lord is asking us to come. Let us come, people. Let us come to our Father. Let's find that rest. Let's find that peace. Let's find that freedom under his internal wings let's find that protection this morning come says the Lord okay we're not going to drag this bit out basically but that was obviously plain from Ray as well if you want prayer we'd love to pray for you now otherwise we're going to continue just sing another couple of songs etc and then we're going to get some tea and coffee so please stay and and feel free to do that but i'd just love to pray for anybody that just wants to respond now thank you very much thanks for listening to this jubilee church podcast feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk 